All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us here. Nice and nice Friday, Tim. How's it going over there? It's good. It's good. How's your week, John? How are how are you feeling? Um, so far so good. Yeah, can't complain. Um, Connor Garland. A lot of good feedback on that. Yeah, I always come out of an interview not knowing how it's going to be received. But that one, some people are saying it's our best ever, which is shocking because I didn't really I didn't think it was terrible, but I didn't think it was our best ever. But boy, oh boy, people are really, really enjoying Connor Garland. They loved how honest he was and how it was just a nice, normal conversation. Now, is that more you bringing that out of him or is that just Connor Garland? Oh, it's it's both of us. I think I saw a lot of the comments on YouTube about um, saying it was one of the, the favorite interviews they've ever seen. And I feel like it's not just to us, but to ever. And those are probably like people that have just recently discovered our show um and different shows have different styles and i think sometimes it just resonates really well with the player and they're able to have a good conversation and feels like that's what happened this week with garland so it was good really good conversation he was very open and honest which is which is nice especially for a current player you know a lot of the guys that are in the league still kind of give those canned answers and he was willing to to be open and transparent about stuff yeah what stood out to me was yeah like you said all that stuff but in his answers i just got thinking how how good of a coach Rick Tockett is. He um he excelled in Arizona. I don't know why it didn't work out there. But then he goes to Vancouver, and he has relatively the same team as Bruce Brudrell had, and the coach before him, Travis Green, and the coach before him. They they've had a laundry list of been Vigneault was there a little bit. It's um it just shows you how good of a coach Tockett is, but it also shows you how much a coach is crucial to a team. A lot of times people think, oh, a coach is just there to send people on the ice and you know, tell them when to get on and off and maybe work on the power play. It, it's, it's so important to have a good coach. It can change everything about a team. And it just Vancouver Canucks, case in point. They were terrible. Not terrible last year, but they're, they were a, a middling team, middle of the pack, maybe in the wild card race right at the end just because they had such a terrible start. They turned it on near the end when Tockett came in the last 30 games. Connor mentioned that. But fast forward to this year, no, no pickups. Right, like same team across the board. Maybe a couple, you know, tertiary guys, role players, but most part the same guys. They're they're in the topic for the best team in the NHL, and it's because of Rick Tockett what he brings to the table. Did you did you catch that? Because that I I was just thinking about that all night. I could I couldn't get it off my mind. 
Yeah, this is this is kind of where you have to read between the lines a little bit because Connor's not going to come out and say like because players don't want to make headlines for the things they say in interviews and podcasts and stuff like that. So he's not going to say we're the team we are this year because of Rick Talk and we didn't have him last year till late in the season and he's the reason why we're doing so well. But yes, he, he you ask him the question. The first answer is the first sentence. Him talking about the coaching change last year and the systems that they have this year, which is him saying all that stuff. And he's not going to yeah. do it in a way that's going to bash Boudreaux because for all you know. Pedro gets a job in, you know, Detroit next year and, and he gets traded to Detroit and Bruce is his coach again. Like, you don't want to burn any bridges. But he was pretty clear about um, the reason that the, the team's doing so well. And we asked Adorov a few weeks ago and he'd only been there for, you know, 10 days at that point. But his, his answer was pretty much the same thing. And so there's something special with this group. And Taka seems to get the most of his players. Um, and I just hope they, this success continues. Yeah, it's it really is a trickle down effect, and you, you you put a coach in place, and it just bleeds into the players. Like it's it's obvious. And JT Miller, I think, is a prime example. He's responding to this. I don't think he respected Bruce Brudeau very much. I, I think he wasn't his type of coach, and it just didn't seem to work out. He was frustrated with his coaching style. Maybe the same for Pedersen, but it just seems like things are clicking. Things are working very very well. Well, I had a little negative comment. Someone says I'm too hard on the Coyotes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I, I don't know. I, we we have a sorted sorted past. Me and the Coyotes. Every time I, I speak of them, I did give them a compliment this year. They're playing really good hockey. I just, I just don't like how they go about their business. And I know it's it's a completely different ownership group and management and stuff like that. But you know, those wounds they they, they take a long time to heal. They really do. I've forgiven, but I haven't forgotten. So, and then they have Liam O'Brien. Who was the scum <laughs> yeah. of the earth? <laughs> he leads the league in Pims last time I checked. But even like leads- the one comment that you that you made about um, Arizona was that you had to Garland. You said oh, you guys had a pretty good little run there relative to Arizona's recent history, which I think is a totally fair thing to say. It's not like you were just dumping all over them. You have dumped over them, but that comment kind of came. I don't know. It's, it's hard to hear sometimes. Sometimes the truth hurts. Yeah, they're having a good year this year. I did watch an Arizona game uh, last week or so. It's so hard to watch them in their arena. It really does seem like it is a college arena. For as much as they do, maybe I'm late to the party and everybody's already talked about this, but it's tough. Tough to watch that on TV. Even the sounds. It sounds like a small rink because it is, but you think they could, you know, mask it a little bit, but boy, it was... It's it's strange. If you haven't watched one, just go on ESPN Plus and watch it. And it's just it's a very strange thing to see an NHL rink. Sounds like a, you know your your local rink with the echoes and stuff. Because in an NHL rink, you don't have that. They have sound dampers. It's just a huge auditorium. They do a great job with the presentation, the microphones on the glass. Everything's top notch. In a college rink, it's it's just so weird. Like you hear the echo of the passes from tape to tape. You hear all these little things that just you don't pick up in an NHL barn. So. It's good for Arizona. They're having a great season. It's going to be fun when they trade everybody away. Speaking of Arizona, I want to. We have a lot to talk about. We have updates on Merzlikens. We're going to jump into the Leafs, but first, I want to get to something I saw this morning. Jacob Chitron, the prize piece from the Arizona Coyotes. You know, the coveted a golden ticket they were dangling in front of everybody in the NHL: the Bruins, the Leafs, the Oilers, this and that. We have your answer to your back end. He's going to be your one A. All of a sudden, Ottawa came out of nowhere. Paid, what do they get? Two first rounders, a second rounder for Chitrin, I think it was. He's on the market again, apparently. He's going to be a UFA after this year, Tim. 
Apparently, he's not happy. He's making 4.6. Not a bad contract for what he brings to the table. He's a moose of a man. I think he's six foot three. He's decent with his puck skills. He's physical. And he's absolutely drop dead gorgeous. Have you seen a picture of him lately? Yes. Yeah. Like, isn't, it, isn't it frustrating to look at that when you're like, man, that's Some annoying. Have it all. Yeah. Seriously. But you know what's funny? He's not happy. He's not happy. He's got $4.6 million contract. He's a stud defenseman. He's not happy, and he wants out of Ottawa. Some people thought maybe he grew up in Ontario. That that would be the, the selling point. No, he's frustrated being in Ottawa. He wants out. What do you think of this situation? And are the rumors true? Because it's some highly, it's some Ottawa guys spilling the tea on this. And the, the GM in Ottawa is apparently fielding offers for him. What do you think about this, Tim? Not a great move for them to do that. And just to clarify, he, he's under contract through next year too. So it's not till you know, 18 months from now that he's going to be a free agent. Um, so I, he's got a, such a good contract. He's such a good player. I feel like if you want to build something in Ottawa, he has to be part of it. But unless you take a, a step further back and realize what you're building isn't working. You know what I mean? Like this is supposed to be a year of progress and you're still in the bottom of the East among the worst teams in the league. So it's clearly there's something that's not working in this group. I don't think Chitrin is part of the problem. Um, the stats that he logs, the minutes that he logs, he, he plays up in both ends of the ice really well. I was reading an article, gosh, two or three weeks ago now. I wish I had it in front of me, but just talking about how good he's been in, in ways that don't show up on the stat sheet and how important he is to the back end and that team. So I can't imagine a situation where they trade Chitrin and get better unless they're kind of doing uh, – you can't you can't even say retool because you got your core locked up now you're like this is this is the group so if you want to move a player that i don't know opens up new <clears> possibilities <throat> if you have Drew coming off the books in a couple of years if you have tarasenko and chicken is part of that group that frees up cap space to bring in some new meat maybe but i don't don't see a possibility where you you get rid of him and bring in someone better especially for that cap number yeah uh, i um <clears throat> I, I kind of see it both ways. They're obviously not successful this year. So what things can we change with this team? And when you look at their roster, I think they're okay on the back end. You know, they, they don't give, like they give up a decent amount of goals. But when you look at the guys they have on their roster, we talked about Sanderson. He's a good defenseman. They got Shabbat Shalom, Artem Zub, three good defensemen you can build your team around. Maybe that makes a Jacob Chitron expendable. You know, you don't need four 1A guys to build your decor around. You you can get by with three solid ones and three good ones. So maybe that makes him a little bit of a good trade piece, especially if he's maybe not happy. Like, why do you want to keep him around if he doesn't want to be here? And he is at the height of his value. He is making another – he has another year, like you said, on his deal. So why not maximize that? Because you're not making the playoffs this year for the Ottawa Senators. You're dead last in the Atlantic. Why? By a country mile. Like you're you're looking up at the Buffalo Sabres by 12 points. There's no chance you're making the playoffs. So whatever recipe that you think you've cooked up, if you're the Ottawa Senators, if you're their GM, Steve Stayhouse, something has to change, right? Like you have to do something. And we're going to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs in a minute, but the Ottawa Senators are paralleling them, paralleling them very, very closely, where you're locked into these guys long term, 
and you're expecting them to take that next step. And I've said it, I've said it for a couple of years now. This is as good as the centers are going to get. They've maxed out on their potential. Their guys: Stutzel, Chuck Norris, Batherson, Joseph, Shabbat Shalom, Artem Zub, Sanderson. I think we've reached a high watermark with these guys. So if that's the case, then we have to answer the question: We got to we got to mix up the ingredients, and one of those ingredients is Chitron, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I know so. you. I, know. I know it's hard for you. You like this team. I do, and I like that player too. I, man, I hope they figure it out. Maybe next year, right? Can we hope? Can we hope? Oh, <laughs> oh man, how long can we keep going back to this? Well, I don't know. And I, I don't, don't want to just quote the oft-quoted uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. But it it applies here perfectly. You can't keep going back to the well like the. You have to change something up. Tarasenko, not not the answer. Claude Giroux, not the answer. So you're putting in different veteran pieces to try to spur some success from these young guys. Maybe it's the young guys. Maybe you've put all the money into the wrong guys, and we applauded them for getting those contracts out there. You know, signing them young, and they're going to grow into it. They're going to be great deals. That's that's fantastic. But much like Rick talking in Vancouver, who's stirring the drink there and making everything's work. Maybe this group doesn't work. Maybe you have to replace a Stutzel, get rid of a Norris, move some pieces just to see if something else works because they're all great players, right? They put up pretty solid stats across the board. They just don't work. And so anyways, I just wanted to just see your take on that because I saw that and I'm like, oh, that was a a short honeymoon period for Jacob Chitrin in, in Ottawa. He's been there less than a year. All of a sudden, they're talking about trading him. So, face like yeah. that. Oh my before word! We, before we move on, I'll just point out the goaltending has just been pretty bad. Corpus Allo and Forsberg have both played pretty horribly. Now, I don't haven't watched the games enough to know whether their stats are reflective of, of like the defense and and you know the shots on net and and the power play and all that stuff. But I look at their stats right now, and all their top guys are performing pretty well. Drew's got 38 points, Tutsil has 38 points, Kachuk, Batherson, Tarasenko, all putting up numbers. And then you have their goaltenders, and it's goals against above three, save percentage below 900. So maybe there's something in there, and they're missing that piece. But you still, like, you, with that offense up front, you'd, you'd expect to be better than last place in the East. You know what I mean? Regardless, even if you're getting below average goaltending. So there's some other missing ingredient, but that's, certainly that's a big part of it. If you're spending to the cap, you can't be last place. You you have you have to show some progress. And they're, Tim, they're 15 and 24. Yeah, that's bad. Like that. Remember, it, at one point they were like 11 and 11, and they were last place because they had only they played like eight less, eight fewer games. Um, but now it's no more excuses. They're way closer to the lottery, like. The the Chicago Blackhawks, who I follow very closely, have 28 points. And they don't have anybody on their team. Nobody. Let that sink in. An Ottawa Senators team who has Giroux, Kachuk, Stutzel, Shabbat, Batherson, Norris, Chitrin, Sanderson, all-star caliber players have 30 points. 30. The Chicago Blackhawks have waiver wire pickups and Rockford Icehawks on their roster, and they have 28. 
Name one player on the Chicago Blackhawks on the current roster right now. Uh, who's the guy we talked about? Garrison? No, Dickinson. Jason Dickinson. Shouldn't take that long. <laughs> Should yeah. not take that long. Mrazek, just... will they trade Mrazek at the deadline? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Be right. He's been he's been yeah. fantastic. He's been like if they don't have him, they have twenty points. Razik has been that good. He's my MVP for them so far this this much this far through the season. But moving on, I just wanted to touch on that because that's you don't see every day a twenty five year old moose of a defenseman who can move the puck getting moved, and he's on a decent salary potentially being moved twice in his career so far. So maybe there's something wrong with Titran. Maybe he's too handsome. It's no, it's the contract. It just makes him so movable and so desirable for other teams, and so it won't happen again after he's on. It's a bad ticket. beat. It's a bad beat. Yeah. Speaking of bad beats, if you want to avoid bad beats, you go to our friends over at Give Better. Because even if you do hit a bad beat there, part of your losses goes to charity. So it's a win-win. And I know a lot of you have signed up for it, but I want to urge the rest of you to please go sign up. They got their app out. It's fantastic. And you have a limited time now, only until the Super Bowl, to win $100 from Give Better. We've already had a listener who won $100. He sent us a thing, and he's like, I got 100 bucks. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. It's a no-brainer. All you have to do is sign up. Go to givebetter.app slash DTG. Download the app. It's fun. I have it here on my phone. I can pull it up. You go here. It's Give Better. It's it's a simple thing. And then you make your picks. My camera stinks, but it's right there. <laughs> Yeah. It, it's so easy. It's very, very um, user-friendly. Check it out. You have a chance to win $100 for the next uh, month because the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. Everybody knows it. And then you 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 help out yourself, your pocketbook, and then hopefully you parlay that into some more winnings. And if not, when you lose, part of it goes to charity. It's like the Toms. Remember the Tom shoes? You buy one, one goes to Africa. Like that. If the money goes to a charity, maybe it's in Africa. I don't know where the money goes, but you you can pick a nice charity to choose from. Trying to trying to round up some guys to join this, you know, get some guys I'm who have charities involved. All my friends you, and families are doing it too. Does Gronk have a charity? You're good friends with Gronk. Yeah, I'll text him. I'll give him a call. I'm sure he but does. Before before we started taping with Gar Garland, Tim lives in the same neighborhood as him. Like you grew up right next to each other. I'm like Tim's good friends with Gronk. Tim's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just like you're no. so full of yourself. It's so amazing. No, no, stop it. That did right. happen though. <laughs> it did happen. Yeah. All right. Moving on. There's been an update on Merzlikens since the last time we talked. I think Monday we brought him up. There's already been some movement on his uh, situation. Yeah. So the, the thing the thing on Monday was that he had requested a, a new scenario, quote unquote, which wasn't formally a trade, but basically saying like play me or, or trade me. You know what I mean? Um, and he had said as much that he didn't formally request a trade, but that changed. He got a start on uh, let's see Tuesday, I think it was, and he and he got the win over Vancouver, shootout win, um, really good game for him. Especially had he hadn't played in almost three weeks at that point, and he stopped all four Canucks shooters on in the shootout, which is not easy for that group. Uh, so he played pretty well, and he told the media after the game that he had formally requested a trade. So it is official now, um, which is which is it's a lot of things. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But there's a great quote from him, and he says, "After my last interview, that everyone knows I requested for trade. Everyone here was still playing for me, and they're playing for me and blocking the shots for me. And this is awesome. I really appreciate them. It was a really easy game for me. There's a couple of things here. First of all." Um, I like this from him that the shout out to his teammates. And I like the fact that 
They're not letting this distraction impact the way they play. They've got two other goalies on the roster. They're going to play just as front of as hard in front of Merz Lickens as as um, they play in front of anyone else, which is what it's what you expect. It's not like you're there's... a professional. You have to do yeah. that. Um, I like his little closing remark too. It was a really easy game for me. Just reminding him, like, hey, you know what? You just beat the best team in the league. You ended their five game skid after sitting me for eighteen days. You put me in the lineup when we win a game, and it wasn't even that hard for me. You know what I mean? Like he's really thrown some shade here. And then there was even some remark. I don't know if it was, uh, if you know, I didn't see it, but I just saw a comment and a couple tweets about it about him sort of like gesturing toward um, up at the press box after the game toward the armor or whatever. And he was asked about it and, you know, who he was mad at. And he said, don't worry about it. It's personal. Um, so it's it's usually the other way around. Like, oh, it's not personal. You know, he in the moment thing. He's like, no, this is personal. So, um, you know, good remark from him. What do you, what did you think about this uh, showing from Merz Lickens? It's like when Ivan Drago looks up at the USSR box and he, they got who was in there. I don't know. One of the leaders. I fight for myself. I don't know if I like this. It's starting to get a little carried away if I'm Merzlikens. I like the first salvo of, you know, comments about how, you know, I don't worry about that. If I want to play, I play. I'm a number one goalie. That's who I am. I'm not a number three guy. Just put me in that. I think it's getting a little aggressive. Um, You have to read the room and kind of know where you're at. It's going to be hard to trade him. He makes a lot of money. It's, It's not like he's sitting here... Make it two to three million dollars. That's that's a contract that's easily to be moved, especially for a goaltender where people don't like to invest a lot of money these days. Because you see what happens when teams invest a lot of money in a goaltender: Bobrovsky, Carey Price, Robin Lehner, all these great goaltenders. It's just dead cap space. So you have to be careful. And if you're out there demanding a trade and just causing issues, and then you don't get traded, what happens? You're still on the team, so you have to walk that line. It's it's a very very hard thing to navigate, and obviously his the language barrier doesn't help because I I think he's he's trying his best to voice what he's thinking, but it's coming off as just very aggressive. So I, I don't know. I, I think he could have done without a lot of the comments he made this this past game, and maybe. Maybe the making a personal thing he could have left out, but it's it's interesting. What's uh what's LeBron saying on this? Because he's got his pulse on it just as much as you do. You and Pierre LeBron are like two peas in a pod, Tim. Yeah, no, we're exchanging information all the time. Um, he said that on inside of trading that there's really no takers for Merzlikens right now. The big reason, like you said, his contract, you know, it's it's a lot of money, four and a half million dollars for the next sorry, five and a five point four, not four point five, over three more years. Um, so that's a lot of money. That's a lot of term to a guy that hasn't played that well. He's played well in different stretches of his career, um, but didn't play well last year. And so you kind of have a guy who hasn't seen the net. And so no one really wants to make that leap right now. He's going to have to play better for a while before the trade market, um, you know, firms up a little bit for him. Even for as many teams that need goalies right now, he's not getting any takers, which says a lot. He's turning 30. He's making five point four. So you, you look at that. He's gonna he's gonna end this contract when he's thirty three, thirty four. So that's a tough one to move. So I think he ends up in Columbus unless the Jackets eat a bunch of this contract. But he is a good goaltender. He's shown it when he came into the league. He was great, like you said last year. He struggled mightily. So I don't know. At the end of the day, do I think he gets moved? No, no. 
I think he's there, and I think he's just going to be an awkward hallway interaction every time he runs into Yarmo. It's just, it is what it is. They both have put themselves in this situation. I think maybe Elvis should have kept it to himself a little bit. As a player, you you have to know where you're at, and I think maybe he spoke out of pocket a little bit. Don't you think? Or should, is it? A, you probably like this. Young kids nowadays speaking his mind. You know, he's he's letting his feelings out. You gotta you gotta let that stuff out. You gotta talk it through. Like, what do you you think he should have shut his mouth a little bit? There's a there's a healthy way of letting your frustrations out without doing it publicly. You know what I mean? There's a middle ground there. And like you said last the other day, of like it's rare that a player or GM or coach or someone in the organization airs the dirty laundry publicly and the situation gets better. And I think that's what we're starting to see where it got a little bit worse this week. Um, even though he played well and got them the win, he's, he's making it personal. He's formally requesting a trade. He's speaking directly to the media, which that doesn't really happen. Like when, the players don't really tell the press after a game, I've requested a trade. You know what I mean? Like it's always done yeah. through the back channels, through the agents, through the reporters, things like that. And Frank and Pierre and those guys are breaking it. Um, and you believe him because it's it's coming from the source, but it's not directly. So there's something something's up here that we probably don't have information on um, between the two of them. But when we posted this on, on socials, all the comments coming from Blue Jackets fans is that they're fed up with Yarmo. They said a lot of a lot of teams would have released him, you know, years ago. They just don't like what he's done. They don't like what he's building. They think I don't. I, don't, I think it's sort of amateurish. Is is the tone that I'm, I'm getting from them? On, on what they think of him, which is, uh, I think it's probably fair, the frustration. I don't follow the team well enough to know. I don't have his decision tree in front of me, but clearly something's got to change. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I like Yarmo's just throw caution to the wind, wind approach. But when you're a fan base and you're an owner and you're trying to build the team, it doesn't really work out. You lose Panarin. Or who did he lose? He lost Bobrovsky and Panarin for nothing. Right. And then you lose, you, you sign Goudreau for no good reason. You trade Pierre-Luc Dubois for another problem, Patrick Laine, and that hasn't worked out whatsoever. He, he got, came into the situation with arguably the best defense in hockey when you had Seth Jones, you had Warinsky, you had Murray, you had such a solid defense. And now Savard. you have nothing. Savard, yeah. like just a great, great spot. And then you bring in, I think they have a Jason Garrison right now. You have the opposite of a puck moving decor back there. So yeah, maybe I agree with the Columbus fans. It's fun to watch this guys at the deadline, but then when you sit back and you do a big, you know, his scope of work, nothing to really show for it. What has he done in the playoffs? Not much. So maybe it's time to move on for some reason. The GM doesn't want, or the, the owner doesn't want to fire him or the president, whatever it may be. I've never seen Yarmo, but maybe he's just a really personable suave person mark bergevin was like that way in montreal where he's just a likable guy you know and he just everybody around him yep. liked him the the ownership this and that maybe they just don't want to fire that guy but there's an expiry date on everybody it looks like yarmo's almost up so Wait, moving on to him oh go ahead I, i'm just looking at um i i googled yarmo kakalani trade history and i'm bringing bringing up cap friendly he's how long has he been around the gm like how long has he been alive for? I don't know. No, no, no. How long has he been there, GM? No idea. Because I know they had Davidson as the president. And he's been there for a while. Like seven, eight years that long? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, wow. So these trades are all him. So there's like a trade history going back to at least 2017. I didn't realize he's been here for that long. Maybe I could be looking at this wrong, but yeah, he made a lot of moves and they have not been good. So, well, anyway. what are they? Let's list them out. Well, okay. Um, he acquired Damien, Damon Severson, Severson, the Proverov trade where he acquired Proverov in exchange. I don't want to cut you off, trade. Tim. I don't want to cut you off. He goes all the way back to 2013. Which, as, as a GM. As a GM. He's been there since 2013. Oh, wow. So, okay. So you're talking about, yeah. Um, let's see. He got rid of Oliver Bjorkstrand. He traded, um, let's see, Max Domi he had, Cam Atkinson, Seth Jones, obviously the big one. That doesn't look great. Uh, Nick Foligno, um, David Savard, Riley Nash. Yeah, it's hard to Pierre-Luc Dubois, Ryan Murray. Domi again. Yeah, a I mean, lot the, of good the players. On. Yeah, yeah. In, in in ten years, I, I feel like if in ten years, I feel like they've really done nothing of of substantial, you know, notice. But what are you going to do? You can't fault him. He's trying, but man, maybe maybe it's time for him to to pack up and go. So anyways, moving on, Tim, to the Toronto Maple Leafs. We've talked about this for a while. We're going to touch on them a little bit just because we don't want to overdo it with Toronto. They've lost four straight. They've fallen into a wild card spot. They are just out of sorts. Nobody knows what to do. Their head coach, Sheldon Keefe, made some interesting comments last night. What did he say, Tim? Because this is, this is not good when your head coach is saying this. Yeah, like so four straight, like you said, they blew a three nothing lead to the Avalanche during that stretch. They blew a two nothing lead to the Edmonton Oilers during that stretch. So they are really skidding right now. And um Keith said, quote, after forty two games, I still have questions about who I can rely on. Who are we going to rely on in those moments? Who's gonna go out and get the job done? Forty two games in, I still have a lot of questions, quite honestly, but who's gonna go out? You can say for certain they're gonna get the job done for us. That is a major quote. I can only imagine how that's being tossed around the Toronto media and airwaves and radio and all that right now. Because you've got a coach who's basically saying, I don't know who I can trust in my team to deliver when it matters most. And there's, there's two edges to this sword. First of all, he's right to be critical of the team because you are losing. You should be, you should be a top two, three team in the league with this lineup and the production that you're getting from some of these players. And so the players have to be better. But the other argument right now that I'm seeing online is like, he's not the one to get it out of those players. You know what I mean? Like, it's time for a coaching change because a coach shouldn't have to ask those questions. You've got Austin freaking Matthews. How do you not know who you can rely on in those moments? It's, it's you, coach. You've got, you've got to get more out of these players. So it goes both ways. I feel like the players are certainly to blame as well. But this quote really carries a lot of weight, I think. Well, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to spur some reaction with the Leafs players. He's trying to motivate them to do more, to, to bear down in critical situations, to play better. That's his job. His job is to get these guys to play better, to play harder. It's not working. And I, I've also seen some people saying, well, we're not sure about you. You've been yeah. here for four years now. Maybe it's you. And, and I tend to agree with the people who take that side of the argument because as a coach, 
your job is to answer these questions, right? Your job is to figure out who you can put in certain situations, which players work best with others, and you need to figure it out pretty quick. And I get if you're a first-year coach, you're trying to figure things out, trying to find out which players can do what and what situations and you know who, who cracks under pressure, this and that. You've been there for five years, right? Like he's been there quite a quite a long time, four or five years. How do you not have that figured out? How do, how do you not know? And this is an honest question to him and to you, Tim, answer it if you can, or to our listeners. If you're around a group of people for a long period of time, in any situation, you know what those people can and can't do. And if, if it's your job and you're being paid millions of dollars to analyze every single one of those people, and, and to know what makes them tick and to know how they work. Do you think you would know after four years what certain people can and can't do? And if they can't do it, maybe get someone else to do it, right? I think it's just a cop out for him. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. I think he's slowly being shown to be just a bad coach. Maybe he's a good hockey mind. Yeah, maybe he can draw up some plays some scenarios. He's a good guy in the power play. That's all true. I think he's a terrible coach. And this is another thing, Rick Tockett, you bring in a coach who can maybe coach these Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe push the right buttons. Maybe you see a different result from these guys. Cause right now it, this team is too good, Tim, to be performing like this. And I know what do you shake your head? Are you disagreeing with me? No, you're right. I mean, they have 13 regulation wins. I'm going to read you some teams that have more regulation wins than that. I'm not talking about the top dogs like the Avalanche and the Bruins Canucks. It's the Islanders. It's the Kraken, the Capitals, Coyotes, Flyers, Sabres, Blues, Flames, Red Wings, Penguins, Predators. These teams all have more regulation wins than, than Toronto. And that's really important, not just the fact that these teams are playing better in regulation than them. It means that most of the rest of those points, I think there's another eight or nine points that you count for where they are in the standings, are coming from three-on-three three overtime, which means nothing in the playoffs because you're not going to see it, and shootouts, which means nothing in the playoffs because you're not going to see it. Tim, there's you know 24, I mean? po- 24 points are coming from the shootouts in overtime. If they only have 13 regulation wins, that's 26 points. They're at 50 points now. So half of their points are coming via overtime or shootouts, which is like Crazy. They, they don't do that in playoffs, like you said. So they do do overtime, but it's five on five. But going back to my point, I, I, I think it's yeah. I think it's Keith's fault. I think he's the one who has to go. If there's any questions about why this team is failing after four years, yeah, the players, this and that, and Marner and Matthews, don't they don't play defense. They're playing defense. A little bit better this year. Yeah, well, you know, the goaltenders, they're, they're having an issue. Samsonov was a stud last year. They still didn't do anything. Yeah, well, you know, the defense, they got a pretty good decor. Like you, you look at it. Like uh, the players they've had in and out of this this organization over the last four or five years have been pretty solid D-men. It's the coach. I firmly believe that. That's it. Isn't they bring it? In... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking about how apparent it is of like the contrast between this team and like the Flyers who are outperforming every expectation. It's because of the coach. It's it's Vancouver who has had basically the same lineup for three years, minus Bo Horvat, and you're playing your best hockey ever, and it's because of the coach. And even the Bruins that lost, look at they lost Bertuzzi, um, Bergeron, Orlog, Bergeron, Krejci, like all these great players, Taylor Hall. And they're still in first place. And it's because of the coach. 
You know what I mean? It's so apparent. And you look at the team like Toronto by comparison, and they're just so, so good on paper, and they're not doing anything with it. And it's because of the coach. It really does goes goes to show you how important that is. So I think Keith needs to go. There, there's no other way around it. He is not working out. This team is not, you know, responding to his criticism. They're not responding to his his questions. His it's just this crap. If if I'm a player in that room, I'm just like, get this guy out of here, because he's throwing us all under the bus. I don't know who I don't know who to who to count on anymore i really don't who can i rely on who are we going to rely on in those moments what moments the high pressure ones maybe at the end of the ice any end of the game it just drives me nuts to cop out for keith you don't know your players you don't know your team you need that's your job to know those things and if you don't know that maybe we need to find someone else who does yeah and so like you said they're they're in a wild card spot detroit won last night which put them ahead of them detroit's having a great season we need to spend some more time on them next week but what's really interesting, and I don't think they're, you know, I, well, maybe they are. They're in danger of missing a playoff spot now. But what's, and a, a fan pointed this out. Shout out to Stephen C for giving us the stat. The Leafs have lost to Chicago twice. The Chicago Blackhawks, who don't even have a professional team, really. And Stop. if you go back to last, you know Careful. what I'm saying. I know. <laughs> you go back to last year, Calgary missed the playoffs because of the, the Chicago thing. You know what I mean? Because of the Blackhawks. And all the tank for Bedard thing. And so Calgary missed out on the playoffs because of that. And so if you look at the Leafs, if they miss the playoffs by a point or two, you're going to go back to these games and realize you couldn't beat the worst team in the league twice in that season. So it's just uh, not good. Not to mention Willie Nylander in the five games since he signed that big ticket deal has zero goals and three assists. Can I pour Yikes. more salt in the wounds to them losing to Chicago? So Please do. The two times they've lost to Chicago... They played Chicago's backup goaltender, Arvid Soderblom. Arvid Soderblom <laughs> has started 16 games this year. He's 2-13-1. No way. He hasn't beat any team in the NHL except for the vaunted Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, Put that into context. So they're, they're playing a backup goaltender who is really struggling, and they still can't get by the, the Chicago Blackhawks. So I just think that's very funny. But We should get... Steve Dangle back on the show and just torment him. Do you do you follow his stuff anymore? Is he losing his marbles? Like I pick him up in the playoffs a little bit when he just was really screaming. It's too loud yeah. for him a lot of the time. I'm just like, <laughs> relax, man. Like just pump the brakes. I don't know how he does, it, but yeah, Willie Nylander. It's a good contract. Let's just touch on their acquisitions they had this season because I was raving about them. I said Brad Trevelyan came in. The things they were missing, maybe a little sandpaper, maybe a little energy in the playoffs, some guys who can go and lay the body. They answered that. They bring in Bertuzzi and Domi. Bertuzzi's having a terrible year. Six goals, 13, po 13 assists, 19 points, and 42 game played. That ain't good enough for a guy who's, who's supposed to come in and anchor that left wing on the first line with Martyr and Matthews. He's supposed to be a point-per-game guy who adds that sandpaper. Finally find someone who can fill that Hyman role that was lost when he went to Edmonton. It's, it's not working out so far. Max Domi takes a one-year deal in Toronto, kind of a hometown coming. His dad played there. Ty Domi, he's coming in. He's having an okay year, 23 points in 42 games. But again, not good enough. 23 and 42, he's getting power play time. He's getting second line time. He's getting a lot of opportunities. And he's also taking suspect penalties at times. That is putting the teams behind the eight ball, PK, this and that. Ryan Reeves, friend of the show, three three-time friend of the show. Boy, oh, boy. One point, one goal versus the Chicago Blackhawks. 21 games played. He's hurt right now. I think he's 
minus a million. Not not looking good so far. He hasn't really brought much of anything. Got to fight a first game. Everybody was happy. Then he just couldn't couldn't get out of the way of getting scored on. Maybe that's not his fault, but <clears throat> not really working out. Johan Klingberg, five points in 14 games. He's injured on the LTIR. LTIR. But I, I just did a little digging with him. Maybe it wasn't that good of a, a thing to bring him in. Yes, he puts up some points. Yes, he did well in Dallas. But maybe it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. His last year in Dallas, he had a boatload of points. I think he had 50 or 60 points. Good. He was minus 28, Tim, in Dallas, which is a very good defensive team. They're responsible. They're a veteran team. He was dash 28. So I did a little more digging. Oh, maybe that was because they were just a bad team. They were a Stanley Cup contending team that year. Miro Heiskanen was a plus three. So if you have that disparity between two defensemen who play the same amount of minutes, play with the same amount of guys up front, one's dash 28 and one's plus three, that says a lot to me because they're both in the same situation a lot of the times. That's 31 goal difference. So maybe Klingberg wasn't the answer there. And I think it's showing. He's minus seven. He's got five assists only in 14 games. So you, you expand that to a whole season. He's dash 42, which is woof. I talked about them needing a, a veteran goaltender. Someone to come in and write the ship. They bring in Martin Jones. He's done good. I'm going to give him, you know, his his pat on the back when it's due. He's he's played very well. Maybe they should have, you know, a guy I bandied about. Maybe Jonathan Quick. He would have been easy to bring in. He's coming off a Rangers stint that wasn't too great. The Rangers bring him back. He only makes eight hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year. Yes, he's thirty-seven, but he makes eight hundred twenty-five thousand. You know what his numbers are right now, Tim? Point nine one two save percentage. 2.49 goals against average. More importantly, he's 9-3. and three. That's all we need a backup to do. Play okay. We'll give you 20, 25 games. Maybe he could have mentored Ilya Samson off a little bit. No, they didn't do that. And Joseph Wall, rookie, he gets hurt. Now we're in trouble. Samsonoff's playing like garbage. You have to scramble. Martin Jones comes in. Thank goodness he's played okay at times. So stupid, these GMs. I don't get it. All right, anything else on Toronto, Tim? Are they going to write the ship, do you think? Yeah, because they're just as capable as winning five in a row. You know what I mean? Like, they can go on a run, and, and Matthews gets two hat-tricks in three games. And, like, we'll see some of that at some point in the next couple of months as well. So, ultimately, it comes down what it always comes down to the playoffs. I think they'll be there just fine. I agree. Uh, I, yeah, they'll make the playoffs, and they'll lose first round. I, I really think they'll lose first round. I don't think they have a good playoff team at all. That's just my take on it. All right, moving Me on either. to quick hits. What are we going to do? Yeah, let's get the quick hits brought to you by DoorDash Canada. Open the app, choose what you want, and use promo code NATION25 for $15. Or for, or sorry, 25% off your free, in free delivery for your first order over $15 when you download the DoorDash app. Offer valid in Canada, subject to change. Terms and conditions may apply. Interesting little note here. Scott Hartnell said a lot of the teams that were in on Carter Gauthier's trade list last week uh, declined offers from the Flyers because of the way the whole situation went down and his attitude toward the Flyers. So it wasn't just like us reacting to stuff he said. Teams around the league were he's, – he's gotten a little bit of a reputation here, and they, don't, they didn't want any part of it. So I thought that was really interesting. I don't believe that for a second. Not one second. Really? No. No, I don't. Why would you? Oh, he doesn't want to play for the Flyers. I don't want him anymore. A, a potentially really, really solid forward. It's not that. No, I don't want him. He for wouldn't the, take the, the other... call. He wouldn't have a meeting with 
all the other crap players do and GMs are perfectly fine with it. And this guy just didn't like the Flyers, so there's like, ah, I'm done. A 19 or 18-year-old kid having maybe maybe a bad stance on something, maybe an awkward situation and didn't want to face it. Oh, I'm, I'm all out. I don't believe this. I think this is small. I think Hartnell's wrong. I think he maybe talked to one or two GMs. And that was it. And he did a blanket statement. I don't think so. I don't maybe. think so, Scott. He said a you're lot your, of the teams. Your silly haircut. If you're a GM and you're calling Briere and you're like, hey, what's the deal with Cutter? And Briere's like, I don't know. He won't call me back. He won't take a meeting. He's like, oh, geez, I don't want anything to do with that kid. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what he's talking about. So I would not I think, think that way if I was a GM. I would say I'm calling his agent. If he doesn't like you, maybe he'll like me. Get this guy for pennies on the yeah. dollar. I don't know if I believe that. Another interesting thing here from uh, G- Julian Breesbaugh in, down in Tampa Bay said, quote, Steven Stamkos is not getting traded, so we can put that one to bed. We talked about that on this show, about the possibility of him being moved. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen, but again, things could change. He said the same thing to Ryan uh, McDonough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Friend of the show. He said, wasn't he, a franchise player. he said it here on the show, Mac. He's like, I, he told me I wasn't going anywhere. Then I get a call and I'm traded to Nashville. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack Eichel had lower body surgery. He's going to be out week to week. This one's a little bit mysterious. They, they, they don't, they haven't released what's going on with him. And, and I, some of the stuff I was reading was that they, there's some legitimate concern there about him and his, and his health. So, Usually you get a little bit more information, but they've kept this pretty general, cut this kind of under the under the hood here. So we'll see what goes on with him and how quickly he he bounces back. Because Vegas is they've slid a little bit as well. I thought it was cosmetic. There's there's a lot of competition in Las Vegas looks wise, and I feel like he went in and had some work done. That's what I'm yeah, hearing. Little Me and Scott Hartnell. That's what yeah. I heard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a couple more quick ones here. Valerie Nichushkin has entered the NHLPA's player assistance program. So something's going on there. Uh, we were singing his praises on the ice a week or so ago, but something's up, and he's he's uh, taking a step away. Cocaine, and the last one think, here, friend of the right? show. Let's do some speculation here. <laughs> is it the is it the white yeah. stuff, or you think it's alcohol? Uh, I'm not going to speculate. You can do that if you want. I bet you it's cocaine. That's what I think. It seems like these Russians, for whatever reason, because remember there was the issue in Washington was Kuznetsov. There was the pictures of him. And then there's, I don't know. I think that's probably what it is. Who am I to say? Galchenyuk. Yeah. Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk does it too? Yeah. You heard it here first. I wonder if they get a deal. Last one here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. A uh, friend of the show, Tyler Ennis, retired officially. He'd been playing in Mannheim in Germany. Germany's only 34 years old. I thought he was older, but he's retired from pro hockey. Good for him. We yeah. should get him back smart, on, too. Smart time to retire. When I when I um, knew I was done after the All-Star Game stuff, my agent's like, just wait to retire because the NHL continues your health insurance until the new year. So you get it for an extra, like, three months. So that's what he did. He waited till the health insurance cut off and then you retire because if you retire before they pull the plug on your insurance then you have to go into the cobra and you have to pay for it and it's like ten thousand a month huh. chance so expensive maybe not ten thousand maybe it was like five thousand exaggerating thing maybe it was one thousand a month i can't remember it was a lot of money it couldn't have been ten thousand that's outrageous maybe one thousand <laughs> yeah i don't know 
maybe it was like 10, probably felt like it. it felt like a million dollars. And so I don't even have insurance. I just tell my kids don't get hurt. All right. Mark, good advice. <sighs> I'm kidding. Of course I have insurance. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate your support. I hope you guys stick around for Monday. We have another interview coming up. Jason Demers, friend of the show, newly retired. Is he working for Team Canada, I believe? He He's working for NHL Network. He's on he TV all the time. NHL. We're going to have to talk to him about that. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 